0: Welcome to Fire of Genius, a podcast dedicated to all things intellectual property, presented by the Indiana University Maurer School of Law's IP Theory Journal. I'm Maya, and I'm interested in trademark law.
1: Hi, I'm Caroline.
2: I'm a 2L interested in patent and trademark law. Hi, my name is Taylor, and I'm interested in patent law.
0: For all my fashion fans out there, this one's for you. Hermes called in the fashion police, and the verdict is in. A Manhattan jury sided with the French luxury fashion house Hermes in the brand's protracted legal battle with Meta Birkin NFT creator Mason Rothschild. The jury found Rothschild liable for trademark infringement, trademark dilution, and cyber squatting, and deemed that the First Amendment offered him no protection. I wonder if any of the potential jurors came in wearing a Birkin just to get kicked out of the jury during four year.
1: So, the jury found that Rothschild, who began selling these digital renderings of fur covered Birkin bags as NFTs, was required to pay damages of $133,000. So, this is split up into his estimated profits, which is about $110,000, and for cyber squatting on the metabirkins.com web domain, which cost him about $23,000. Small potatoes, considering that's the cost of about 12 Birkin bags directly from Hermes and maybe three or four on the secondary market. The court noted in the jury instructions that the Meta Birkin's NFTs, including the associated images, are in at least some respects work of artistic expression, such as, for example, in their addition of a total fur covering to the Birkin bag images. So what we're going to be talking about in more detail today is that balance being struck between artistic expression and the trademark protections that Hermes is expecting.
2: So Taylor is going to give us a quick overview of what an NFT is. NFT is short for Non-Fungible Token. According to Investopedia, NFTs are a cryptic asset on a blockchain with unique identification codes and metadata that distinguish them from one another. NFTs are essentially assets that can be traded for money, cryptocurrencies, or even other NFTs. A key difference between NFTs and other cryptocurrencies is that NFTs from the same blockchain are not interchangeable, while while cryptocurrencies from the same blockchain are interchangeable. This was a brief overview, but if you would like to know more about NFTs, IP Theory has some great podcasts where you can learn more.
1: So some background, Mason Rothschild, whose real name is Sunny Esteval, created NFTs using the likeness of Hermes' popular Birkin bag. I'm sure we've all seen what this Birkin bag looks like and have heard horror stories about celebrities and other people trying to find them. He made about 100 of these NFTs and they were sold on the market at $450 a pop. As Maya mentioned earlier, these NFTs featured the iconic shape of the Birkin bag, but added furry textures and funky colorways. Additionally, Rothschild reserved the domain name metabirkin.com for the sale of his
0: NFTs on the internet. Both of these
1: are the primary issues that the court found.
0: And ironically enough, both the NFT and the actual Birkin bag increase in value on the secondhand market.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that.
0: On December 16, 2021, about a month after the NFTs debuted, the French Maison Hermès hit the digital artist with a cease and desist, which he promptly responded to with a motion to dismiss. Rothschild's team said in a statement that each of the hundred works in Rothschild's meta-Birkin series is a unique, fanciful interpretation of a Birkin bag. Rothschild's art is made with pixels, but the bags are depicted as fur-covered. These images and the NFTs that authenticate them are not handbags. They carry nothing but meaning.
1: And Hermes is not used to litigating these types of things. For example, Hermes's general counsel testified during trial that Hermes is not known for being as litigious as some of its luxury good competitors and counterparts. Actually, this was the first trademark infringement suit filed by Hermes in the United States for over a decade. So, this is uh, an important case to them that they decided that they needed to finally get in there and litigate. So, does someone want to tell us some
2: details about what went on at the trial? Sure. So, the trial didn't look too pretty for Rothschild. His overall argument was that he was the newest version of Andy Warhol and emphasized his creative expression under the First Amendment. At one point, Rothschild even tried to introduce an Andy Warhol expert as a witness to bolster his argument. This witness was not allowed by the judge, who emphasized the trial is not about Warhol, but about the alleged infringement by Rothschild. Rothschild's attorney hoped to draw a parallel between the Meta-Birkins and Andy Warhol's famous reproductions of uh, branded goods. Real quick, do you guys think that
1: this Andy Warhol expert, had they been allowed to testify at trial, would have made a big
2: difference? Honestly, I would have felt like it would have caused more jury confusion than anything, because personally like as a layperson who's not up on the fashion industry like most jurors are I would have been like what what was the point so I think the judge did right to exclude that <laughs> well you say that most of these jurors probably weren't
0: into the fashion industry but I think that it's important to note that in Manhattan in the southern district it's a pretty wealthy juror pool and people who have a little bit more access and I wonder if that played any role in supporting Hermes or knowing um, enough about the fashion industry or the legal industry to change the way that this case was decided.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. You got to remember the type of jury that you're likely to pull in uh, certain districts like this. I think that the introduction, I side with Taylor, that the introduction of this Andy Warhol evidence would have just been... I mean, I, I see what he was trying to do, but I think it's a bit of a stretch here. And he's not Andy Warhol, and this isn't the same thing, really,
0: so... Plus, Andy Warhol was kind of a household name, and Rothschild definitely is not.
1: I'm sure he was hoping to become one, but now (laughs) he's in everybody's inboxes for different reasons. So, although he argued that he was merely acting as an artist, there was some evidence that was introduced of Rothschild's text that may have enlightened some of his real intentions. Judge Rakoff explained that Rothschild observed that, quote, he doesn't think people realize how much you can get away with in art by saying, in the style of. Apparently, Rothschild even went so far as to say that he was, quote, in the rare position to bully Hermes. That definitely doesn't look good for someone who's claiming that they were just going for their artistic expression and not really seeking to infringe or take any goodwill from the company that he's infringing. So Rothschild believed his NFTs were art, although his texts might suggest or have led the jury to consider otherwise. So Hermes, correctly in view of the jury who decided, viewed the meta as Rothschild's attempt to profit from its already protected marks.
0: I wonder if that focus on profit as opposed to art changed the way that the jury viewed the issues.
1: I would imagine that it would have to, especially if Rothschild was trying to hide behind the First Amendment so broadly, and then you're juxtaposed with his profit-seeking, nasty text messages. I think if I were a juror, that would make me think that maybe he wasn't really the artist that he claimed to be and was doing it more with a ulterior motive.
0: I agree, but I wonder if that's the legal standard or if that was more of a, a gut instinct from the jury, because I can't, maybe in fair use, the commercial aspect plays a part But I struggled to see the overarching importance of um, commercialization in this case.
1: So we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but after the jury found in favor of Hermes, Rothschild took to the internet and tweeted a bunch of tweets about how this wasn't over and how he was going to appeal and how the justice system was broken. So we're gonna see what happens when this case goes up to appeal in the second circuit. So on that note, Taylor, what do you think is going to happen on appeal. Like, Do you think this case was properly decided?
2: I think it was properly decided because I still feel like brands still have trademark rights, even in things in which they haven't fully explored yet but could necessarily like cause confusion. Even though that, you know, I heard the whole process to get a Birkin is very laborious and We all know that, but maybe some people thought they entered that market or some people thought that they were buying actual Birkins, which I think is highly unlikely. But I still think in favor of good policy that this would be affirmed on a bill.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that it was properly decided as well, because like we said, not everyone is familiar with Birkins or with how quite how luxurious they are. So if someone were to see, oh, there's meta Birkin, to me, it's such an obvious infringement that the likelihood of confusion is high especially when we're in that craze of nfts being popular and people wanting to get in on those so i could definitely believe that a consumer would think that hermes was actually the producer of these birkin handbags nfts
0: respectfully caroline and taylor i think i have to disagree mm-hmm. i don't think the case was properly decided um I think that especially when looking at expensive or luxury goods or goods with a very specific consumer market, that court should take into account the consumer sophistication of those people purchasing the products. And it, those people will generally know that you can't buy a Birkin online. And it is so... Well, here, you're not buying a Birkin online.
1: You're buying a picture of a Birkin online. That's an NFT. So to me, that kind of lessens the consumer sophistication when it's, or that importance of that factor when you're not actually getting a physical handbag out of it.
0: Right. What I meant to say was (laughs) that you can't buy a Birkin online, and we know that Hermes is a really ubiquitous brand that doesn't really like having an online presence, that doesn't have a huge online presence, and that doesn't do the same type of marketing and outreach that other brands do because they're so focused on scarcity marketing. So for that reason, I don't think that it was super logical to see Hermes entering this online space. And I think they might have said that just to make themselves, uh, just to make their position stronger. But I think that it's rather unlikely that they'll become big tech people.
1: So I know that some other fashion houses have started licensing NFTs, like Louis Vuitton, Gia Vinci and Gucci. So do you think, do you still think that Hermes isn't ever gonna touch that space?
0: Well, I think that Louis Vuitton, GiaVinci and Gucci all have very different strategies and serve a different market. Not only do they have a lower entry price point, but they're also much more focused on contemporary fashion and they introduce a lot of um, more trendy lines. And they have people like Pharrell, who are big stars, big, they have like star power and internet fame um, in a way that Hermes just doesn't do the same thing. And Hermes really sticks to their traditional equestrian roots. So I think the brands are so different that it's still unlikely that Hermes as a heritage brand would become a big tech player.
1: Yeah, you definitely seem to know more about the actual fashion part than Taylor and I. I had no idea that Hermes was an equestrian or heritage brand, so that's always fun to learn. What did you guys think about the damages amount? Do you have any thoughts on that? I just thought it was really low. I was also, I thought that it was low, but then I also thought it's probably just Hermes. They just want to put the message out there that don't right, touch exactly. our trademarks, don't do this again, especially with the growing NFT market. Although I've heard that NFT or the sale of NFTs has already kind of dropped. It was really high there for a second and then it's back down. So Interesting. But so maybe this might not be as big of an issue anymore after uh, this time has passed. But yeah, I think it was mostly a showing of don't touch our trademarks. Mm-hmm. I also think that the damages amount, because it cost our MeVs more than $123,000 to litigate this. Certainly.
0: And it didn't look like they went for attorney's fees. Mm
1: -mm. Yeah. So I really think it was just Hermes sending a message. Do you guys think that this is going to stifle NFT creatives in their future endeavors?
0: Uh, I think a lot of that depends on if the Supreme Court decides to take this up on appeal. Um, Because right now, especially smaller designers and artists might be a little bit scared to take on a big fashion house um, with way more resources and money than they have. What do you think,
2: Taylor? I think, no, I think I agree with Maya, actually, because I feel like this could be discouraging for smaller NFT makers. But then, like you said, Caroline, these are on the decline. That's true. It might not be a space worth getting into anymore.
1: Right. And I also think it depends on whether or not the, because I'm sure there are thousands of NFTs that don't plainly infringe on well-known trademarks. So I think if you're an NFT creative who has actually made something creative that isn't causing you infringement troubles, then you'll be fine. And you're still able to rely on the First Amendment and use that in the production of your creative work. Okay, so thank you for joining us on this episode of Fire of Genius. You can follow us on Twitter at C-I-P-R Mauer, I-P-T-H, or reach out to us on our website at iptheory.indiana.edu. Thanks for listening, and we hope you tune in again next week.